0: Turn in your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 4. Let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 4 verses 1 through 5. But the Spirit explicitly says that in latter times some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons, by means of the hypocrisy of liars seared in their own conscience, as with a branding iron Men who forbid marriage and advocate abstaining from foods which God has created to be gratefully shared in by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with gratitude, for it is sanctified by means of the word of God and prayer." Right now in South Carolina, we are in the middle of what we call hurricane season. Uh, We've had 13 named storms and five hurricanes. Those five hurricanes were Hurricane Barry, Hurricane Dorian, Hurricane Humberto, Jerry, and Lorenzo. Hurricanes are devastating. They kill, destroy, and scar people. But fortunately, You know we have warning systems, and warning systems, uh, emergency management that that are able to prepare us for those coming storms, and it enables people um, in our state to be to stay safe. But go with me for a minute. Imagine if there was no warning system, and these hurricanes hit our coast, it would not be pretty. It would be carnage. It would be death. And it would be destruction, all because of these coming storms. Now, the Bible says, as we've seen here in First Timothy chapter 4, there is a coming storm. And the scripture calls it a falling away. And it will be devastating. It will be t- a time of deception and apostasy. And it will be led by a demonic host. So it is coming, the scripture says. But we can be prepared. Why? Because we have a warning system. And that warning system is the Word of God. The Word of God tells us that this thing is coming. And it will happen before the, the rapture of the church. You know, I believe there are three signs in the New Testament. Three, three things that will happen in our world that precede the rapture of the church. Uh, the first one, of course, is the nation of Israel will be restored you know you can you can read more about this in Romans chapter 9, 10 and 11. You can go back to the Old Testament and find uh, find out more about it in Ezekiel chapter 11 and Jeremiah chapter 30. So the nation of Israel will be uh, restored. Uh there will also be a, but there also be a great revival. According to Joel 2:28 says uh, the word of God says it will come about after this that I will pour out my spirit on all mankind. And your sons and daughters will prophesy, and your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions. So there will be a great revival of people coming to know Christ and coming to know the Lord, and it will be exciting. But at the same time, the scripture uh, paints a picture that it will also be a difficult time. Uh, Here we're studying 1 Timothy, but when we get to 2 Timothy chapter 3, the scripture says in verses 1 through 5, it says, But realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And then Paul tells us there in verse 5, 2nd Timothy chapter 3 he says they will have a form of godliness but they will deny its power And he tells us to avoid such men as these so here we are in 1st Timothy chapter 4 verse 1 and I believe that Paul Paul is giving us some insight into these difficult times that he alludes to in the pastoral epistles so let's take a look at it let's take a look at it 1st uh, Timothy chapter 4 Verse 1 says, But the Spirit explicitly says that in latter times some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. Now the first thing I want you to see here in verse 1 is this is not something Paul was witnessing with his eyes. This is not something that he was seeing there at Ephesus or there at Corinth. It says right there in verse 1, it says, The Spirit explicitly says, it was the Holy Spirit revealing to the Apostle Paul that this was going to take place, not in his lifetime, in verse 1. Look at it in the middle of verse 1. It says, In latter times, in a period of time after the time of Paul, that there would come a period where there would be what, according to verse 1? A, a falling away of from the faith, so prophetically, the Holy Spirit is showing him that in the future there will be a departure from the Bible, and there will be a departure from the gospel. And it says there in verse one, it says, uh, "Paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons." Wow, wow, my friend. The spiritual warfare in the last days will be like no other period in the history of the world, in the history of Christianity. It will be intense. It will be fierce. And and, and according to our passage here, there will be demonic, deceitful spirits that speak through false teachers. They'll speak through these false teachers. And it says there, they will preach what? Doctrines of demons. What is up with that, Pastor David? Doctrines of demons. I see three things here. Three things in the doctrines of demons. Based on what we the Bible teaches about demons, what is it that demons hate? What is it that demons oppose? Number one, I believe a doctrine the doctrine of demons is, is there will be be a, by, and by these false teachers is there will be a disregard for the Bible. There'll be a they'll, they will disregard the Bible as the authoritative Word of God. Mm. Secondly, thinking about what demons oppose and what Satan opposes uh, these doctrines of demons. Number two is they will refuse to preach the cross, the very thing that God used. To defeat Satan and to defeat the demons, they will hate and they will not. These doctrines of demons, there, there will be no preaching of the cross. There will be no preaching of repentance, no preaching of faith in Christ, no preaching um, and teaching of people surrendering their life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Third thing I see here when it talks about the preaching of, on the, uh, uh, the the doctrines of demons here is is uh, the the focus will be put on man. The focus will be put on man. The focus will not be on Jesus. You, they they may hear phrases like, "Oh, so you want to live in sin? God understands. Just do just just do whatever makes you happy." So the 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 message of Christianity will not be there. It it will be an anti-Christ, an anti-Jesus, an anti-biblical message that they bring in this storm of deception. Let's look at verse 2. Verse 2 says, By means of the hypocrisy of liars seared in their own conscience, as with a branding iron. Wow. In verse 2, he's describing the false teachers. And look, he, he describes them, He says three things about the false teachers. He says, uh, one, uh, they'll be hypocrites. In other words, they'll have a mask on. Uh, they, they'll, they, they, they will be hypocritical. And number two, uh, they will lie. They will, be, they will be liars. They will not tell the truth. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 13, 8, For nothing can be done against the truth but only for the truth but these these false teachers and these demonic spirits they'll have nothing to do with the truth they will speak lies and then it says that um, their conscience consciences these false teachers their consciences will be seared as with a branding iron the word conscience uh, simply means with knowledge in other words we all have a conscience we all have that inner knowledge of um, right and wrong, and they won't have that. They won't have that. There, there will be no restrictions in their soul of how far into evil they can go, and to how many lies that they can spread. They will be very, uh, very bad, very bad. These false teachers. Verse three continues: Men who forbid marriage and advocate abstaining from foods which God has created to be gratefully shared and by those who believe and know the truth. These false teachers, my friend, they'll be cult-like. They will be cult-like. Their goal will be to control people. Their goal will be to control people and to fill their heads with unbiblical knowledge. They will focus on their flesh and they'll focus on their self. There was this um, ancient practice called asceticism and asceticism basically taught that you could attain a higher spiritual level by self-denial by, by denying things basically that you could please God by the things that you did to your body and the things that you denied it really is just, it's a modern day um, form of, of Buddhism but we know that that's not true we know that there's only one way For a person to be right with God. And that's through the cross. But these men, these false teachers, will have nothing to do with that. Verse 4 says, For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with gratitude. For it is sanctified by means of the word of God and prayer. Kind of stop there for a minute on verses 4 and 5. You know, I just want to say this, you know, life is meant to be enjoyed. Our marriages are meant to be enjoyed. Our family is meant to be enjoyed. Life is We're meant to enjoy life. But all that joy that we have in life, our family, our friends, our loved one, should all be under the umbrella of thankfulness to God. It should be all under the umbrella of being thankful to the Lord for everything that He has given us. That's that being thankful for life and being thankful for our family is what pleases God when he sees that in our life. But when you're looking at verses one through five here in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4, we see that prophetically a real storm is coming. It will be an intense spiritual warfare. I believe there will be, there will be new age. Um, there'll be uh, mystical philosophies. But you know what? All of it, it'll be straight from the pit of hell. It'll be straight from the pit of hell because it's not the gospel and it's not the truth from the word of God. So the question we have to ask ourselves as we're looking at this passage is, how do we guard ourselves? How do we guard ourselves? And more importantly, how do we keep others, people that we love and we care for, how how do we keep other people from falling into this deception. I believe that's what Paul is answering. That's the question that Paul is answering for us in verses six through 16. So verses one through five is the coming storm, the coming deception. Verses six through 16 is how to guard ourselves. So let's check it out. Verse six. In pointing out these things to the brethren, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, constantly nourished on the words of the faith and of the sound doctrine which you have been following but have nothing to do with worldly fables fit only for old women on the other hand discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness for bodily discipline is only of little profit but godliness is profitable for all things since it holds the promise for the present life and also for the life to come So the question we've asked, that I believe the text answers here, is how do we guard ourselves? So let's take a look at it. I see four principles here in verses 6 through 8. The first one's found in verse 6, where he says simply, um, pointing these things out to the brethren. We should point these things out to to other people. In other words, when when we see this demonic, false teaching, New Age stuff, we're called to warn others. We're called to warn others. You know, if you see a brother or a sister in Christ, or anyone for that matter, going towards one of these false teachings, you know, we should, in a spirit of grace, in a spirit of love and humility, we should go to them and warn them and say, hey, man, you need to take a look at that stuff. You know, it's, it's not biblical. You know, it's, it doesn't line up with the, um, the word of God. And that's dangerous. So the first thing we do is, is, is we warn people. And Look at what it says there in verse 6. It says what? When you do this, when you faithfully warn others of this danger, it says what? You will be a good servant of Jesus Christ. You will be a good servant. We serve Christ Jesus when we faithfully guard and protect and defend biblical truth. And we help others do the same thing and following the Word of God and living out the Christian life. The second principle I see there is also in verse 6, where he says, Nourished on the words of faith and sound doctrine. It's my belief that every believer is entitled to clear biblical teaching. You need, They need to be in a church uh, where the Bible is taught, and um, and it's just clear, it's straightforward, it's expository. um It's expositional, where we just understand and we grow in the Bible. We grow in our knowledge of of God's Word. But also, on top of that, you know, you can't put everything on the church. You can't put everything on the pastor. You, as a believer, you need to spend time meditating on God's Word. You need to have devotional time daily, where you carve time out of your daily schedule And you spend time in God's Word and let the Holy Spirit speak to you and speak to your heart and to the things that you're going with. You know, we don't teach the Bible um, verse by verse just to fill people's heads with knowledge. That's not the purpose. The purpose that we, we teach the Word of God verse by verse is that you understand it, you learn it, and then... You apply it to your life. You apply it to your life, and you use it to go out and live a life that glorifies the Lord as you serve Christ. The third principle, let's look at the third principle. third principle is found in verse 7, and that third principle is this, we don't mix the Bible with nothing. It says, um, but have nothing to do with worldly fables. We don't mix the Bible with, with worldly fables. You know, We don't mix the Bible with New Age teaching. We don't mix the Bible with philosophy. Uh, Paul says in um, in Colossians two eight says, "See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophies, which depend on human tradition rather than on Christ." We don't mix the Word of God with um, unbiblical teaching. Now, am I saying um, you can't go out and get commentaries? No, go out and get you some good commentaries. Get you a good concordance. Get you a good Bible Dictionary use them to study the Word of God, but just remember the the Word of God is not mixed with anything that's unbiblical That that's new age or that's fable-like So that's very important. The fourth principle Is found in verse 7 there where it says discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness Uh, To me that speaks of man Put on the warrior mentality. Put on the warrior mentality. Fight the good fight. Put into practice what you learn. Be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And, and, and learn your word. And be filled with the Spirit. And be faithful to Christ in, in your witness and, 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 and in your, your walk. When I see that word discipline, I think about someone in the military. You know, It's, it's not always easy. Easy to be in the military and, and it takes discipline and it takes focus well the same could be said in Christianity it's not always easy being a Christian you know and that's why that's why this we need to to discipline ourselves to uh, live our life um, to serve Him and, and to follow Him as we, as we follow His word in our life Let's take a look at verse 9. Verse 9 says, For it is a trustworthy statement deserving of full acceptance. For it is this that we labor and strive because we have fixed our hope on the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of believers. So how do we guard ourselves looking at verse 10? The principle I see there is this. We fix our hope on the living God. I love that word fix there. That word fixed means to be unmoved, unshaken, to, be un, un, to be, not be rattled, to not be affected by the things that are happening around us, but for us to put our eyes and our mind and our heart and our focus on the Lord Jesus Christ and let it be fixed and let it not be shaken. How do we fix our hope? By doing what we're doing right now. Studying the Word of God, spending time in worship, and growing in our faith. We're fixing our hope. We're becoming unmoved, unshaken, and not rattled by the things around us. Especially when there, when we consider that there's a coming deception. Verse 11 and 12, he says, Prescribe and teach these things. Let no one look down on your youthfulness, but rather in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity, show yourself. An example of those who believe I love this verse here you know this level of commitment is not for the older Christians or for parents this level of commitment is for all is for all people is for all Christians you know many scholars believe based on Paul's language the how he addresses Timothy in the pastoral epistles That Timothy was a very young man, possibly even an older teenager. And so Paul's telling him, hey man, when you go to Ephesus to get things right there at the church, man, be the example. Be the example for the kids. Be the example for the adults. Be the example for all in the way you speak, in the way you live your life, in the way you love others. Verse 12. You know, we're called to love all people. In your faith in God, let people see the excitement in your faith. Let people see the joy in your faith. Let your faith be real. And let the world around you see it. And then he says, and in purity. You know, we're called to walk in holiness. We're called to walk in in obedience to the Lord. That's true Christianity. That's following the Lord. Is when we surrender the way we live our life. When we get to that point and we surrender that to Him, that is when it gets real. And that is when we come to this deep level of commitment that the Scripture is talking about here in chapter 4. But it's, but it's for all, again, the point. He says, don't let people look down on your youthfulness. You no, know, Even young people can be on fire for the Lord. Verse 13. I love verse 13. Uh, verse 13 says, Until I come, give attention to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, and to teaching. My friend, if you're making notes in your Bible in this chapter that we're studying, you could just put out next to number thir- verse 13. This is your greatest defense against deception. This is the, the top one. Here, Paul is giving instruction for God's Word in the local church. What do we do with the Bible when we gather together as a church? He simply tells us there in verse 13. Take a look at it. He says, first, uh, to the public reading of Scripture. In the, in, the, in, the, in the Greek language, it literally means, read it out loud. Let all hear it. So there's this reading the word of God in the gathering to to, to proclaim it and to, to speak clearly what it says, to read from it. And then out of that reading from the Bible, reading from the scriptures, there's to be an exhortation. That word exhortation, it means to um, admonish, uh, to encourage. Um, it means to propel people forward. And that's what we want to do. That's my vision here at Calvary Chapel as the pastor teacher uh, of our church is to propel people forward in their walk with Jesus Christ in, in their life as a believer and as a Christian to propel them forward towards Jesus to have them the, to, to, to next Sunday they're walking closer and the next Sunday they're walking even closer. And that they just through this teaching that they they love him more, they trust him more, and they follow him more. So so you read the scriptures publicly out loud, there's exhortation where you propel people forward. And then verse 13, he says, and teaching. And teaching. You know, teaching is very important. You know, it's very important that we that we understand what the word of God says. And as I mentioned a while ago, a couple of verses, you know couple verses back Our, our goal in teaching is not to fill your head with knowledge it's not so that you can go out and win the next Bible trivia, that's not the goal in teaching the Bible the goal in teaching the Bible is to help you understand what the Word of God says and allow the Holy Spirit to apply it to your life so that Not that you go out and know it, but that you go out and live it. That's the goal in verse-by-verse teaching. That's the goal of the expositor, is to help people understand this book and let the Holy Spirit apply it to their lives and then go out and live it for the Lord. I I think about um, in John 17 where uh, Jesus said uh, in his high priestly prayer on the evening before his crucifixion he says, sanctify them by the truth your word is truth you know, God's word it brings sanctification it brings us into a closer walk with God it brings us into a a closer intimacy with the Lord. And, and ultimately, in the context of this chapter that we're looking at, it guards you. It guards you against deception. It guards you against deception. So to me, I believe that's the greatest uh, defense against deception. The second, number two, I would say is in the next verse. The second greatest defense against deception... I believe we find in verse 14. Let's take a look at verse 14. Uh, It says, Do not neglect the spiritual gift within you, which was bestowed on you through the prophetic utterance with the laying on of hands by the presbytery. The second greatest defense, my friend, is this. You need to walk in the gift that the Holy Spirit has given you. Did you know you have a gift from God? God gives every believer in the body a gift to be used to build the kingdom. That's all. Everyone. He gives every believer a gift. I want to read to you a couple passages from the New Testament that talk about um, the, the gifts that God has, has given the body. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, it says, He gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. Over there in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there's the spiritual gifts, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, faith, gift of healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. And if that wasn't enough, you could turn over to Romans chapter 12, uh, where it talks about the uh, the gifts given to members in the body uh, being Prophecy, serving, teaching, exhortation, uh, giving, leading, showing mercy. Wow, Pastor David, that is a lot of gifts. So how do I discover my gift? Some of you may be asking that question. What is my gift? I, I, I'm not quite sure. I want to give you two principles. Two principles on how to discover what your gift is in the body. The first principle I would say to you is do this, pray, pray, simply pray and ask the Holy Spirit to show you. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you a burning desire and a passion for the gift that he has given you. You know, God, I believe when God gives a gift, he confirms it through the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit gives us a passion to do that thing that God has called us to do. So I believe the first thing we should do is pray and ask the Holy Spirit. Second thing is a second thing I'll do after I prayed and I've asked the Holy Spirit. The second principle I, w- I would suggest to you this morning in discovering your gift is this: ask a friend, not just any friend though, ask a godly brother or sister that you trust and the, uh, a, a, a brother or sister in Christ that knows you well and ask them say hey what gift do you see operating in my life what what do you see in me what what things am I doing that that, that reveal a strength? you know that's how we find our gifts. Is one as we pray, and the Holy Spirit shows it to us, and then I believe it's good to have confirmation, to, to talk with your pastor, to talk with a spiritual leader, to talk with a Christian brother or sister that you know and trust, and they'll and and, and they'll be like, "Yeah, I see that gift in you," and that will encourage you and propel you forward in moving forward and walking in your gift. But again, going back to our text here, um, walking in our our gift. Is is a great defense against deception and his future deception that's coming. Let's go ahead and wrap up First um, Timothy chapter four in these final uh, two verses, verses fifteen and sixteen. But please pay careful attention here, because there's a very solemn challenge here. I mean, you can, based on the words that the apostle is using as he's writing to Timothy, man, you just hear the solemn challenge. You hear the seriousness of it. Let's look at it, verses 15 and 16. He says, Take pains with these things. Be absorbed in them so that you, your progress will be evident to all. Pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Persevere in these things, for as you do this, you will ensure salvation both for yourself and for those who hear you. Do you hear the solemn challenge? Do you hear the seriousness of these words that the apostle is writing to Timothy? In verse 15, the NASB uses the phrase, it says, take pains, Uh, be absorbed, verse 15. Verse 16 says, pay close attention. In other words, Paul, Paul is saying, Timothy, take these things serious. You know, he, he, what, he's saying, what, he's, what he's saying here is, what I've outlined to you in verses 6 through 14 is not always going to be easy. It's going to be a challenge. You know, serving the Lord and, and living a faithful Christian life is not always the easiest thing. It's, it's not always um, an easy path to follow. But what we see here in in First in First Timothy chapter four, I believe here, is this is the picture of a committed Christian. This is a picture of a committed Christian whose life is founded on the gospel of Jesus Christ, who's committed to following the Lord with all his heart. And this committed Christian that's talked about here in this passage is is, is the future believer that's not going to be duped. By the coming deception, by, by by the falling away, by these uh, doctrines of demons, um, he will stand the ground. He he will stand his ground. You know, just just want to summarize here what we've seen in, in this passage in guarding ourselves against the, the coming deception is is we need to pay we need to uh, pay careful attention. And do these things. What things that we talked about? One is that we sit under solid Bible teaching. We sit under solid Bible teaching. And we learn. And we grow in our faith. Number two. We exercise our gift. We we, we exercise the gift the Holy Spirit has has uh, given us. Number three. We discipline ourselves for godliness. In other words, we... we we do the right thing. We prepare ourselves. And um, fourthly, we uh, remember back at verse 10, I believe it was, is we fix our hope on God. We fix our hope. We, we put our stake in the ground. And we say, Lord, I'm going to serve you. And, I, and I'm going to fix my hope on you. I'm going to be unmoved. I'm going to be unshaken. And I'm not going to be rattled. You know, I opened my sermon this morning talking about the, the coming storm and related it to the, the coming deception that's going to come. You know, um, if we don't do these things, we're kind of like that surfer who goes down to the coast on the day of the storm. Why? Because he wants to catch the big wave. He wants to ride the surf. And we all know that's a very foolish thing to do and many people die doing those things and we don't want to be like that surfer we want to see the storm see that it's coming and we want to guard ourselves we want to guard ourselves against the um, these doctrines of demons and be faithful to the Lord let's pray Father God in heaven just thank you Lord for your word this morning, thank you for uh, First Timothy chapter four, and you say clearly here, Lord, in your word, that there that there is a coming falling away, there is a coming deception. But Lord, you've given us principles here in chapter four, and um, how to prepare ourselves, and how to not fall for um, this deception. So pray, I pray, Lord, that you will help us. Uh, Pay close attention to these things and exercise these things in our life, Lord, as we serve and follow you with all our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray, Father. Amen.